This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 7.49, Monday the 5th of February, and you're listening to The Morning Run. Now, with Chinese New Year on the horizon, Southeast Asia, which is a global tourism hotspot, looks poised for further post-pandemic growth. All countries are actually meeting 80% or more of their international arrivals target for 2023. So with the standout being Cambodia at 136% of its targeted international arrivals year to date, the ASEAN Tourism Forum 2024 was also recently concluded in Laos, which saw the signing of two MOUs for collaborative tourism development efforts. Recent initiatives such as China's visa-free travel agreements and domestically the high-speed rail as well as the Johor-Singapore Special Economic Zone, they all look to be positive reinforcements for the sector's recovery. So will 2024 be a year of touchdown or takeoff for tourism in Southeast Asia? So for some insights, we turn to Hannah Pearson, founder of Pear Anderson, a frequent commentator on all things tourism related on our show. Good morning, Hannah. Thanks for speaking to us again. Now, starting off, let's have a bit of a status check. How has the tourism industry in Southeast Asia recovered across in 2023? Have all the players shaken off the symptoms from the pandemic? Thank you for having me on again. Well, that's a great question. And it was interesting because we were just you were just talking just now about the targets, you know, saying Cambodia, you know, hit 136% of its targets. And targets are one thing, but actually how you then compare back to 2019 is, is a whole other ball game. And if we're looking at international arrivals across Southeast Asia compared to 2019, in general, nobody has reached back. Everybody is about 70%. Some are a little bit better. So Cambodia got to 82% of those 2019 levels. But as I keep saying, theirs is always a little bit different. Their travel patterns have shifted. People are coming over the land borders rather than flying in. Um, we've got Indonesia at 72%, Singapore at 71%, um, Thailand and Vietnam at 70 and Malaysia. Um, it, it really it's, it's hard because there is no uh, official data released. So according to the tourism minister, Malaysia hit 30 million international arrivals, um, he announced last week. According to the, the Director General of MOTAC, um, they hit about 18 million. So Malaysia is either at 100% recovery or 69% recovery, <laughs> depending. You want to be more optimistic or pessimistic. Um, but if you're looking at absolute numbers, Thailand is doing well, um, 28 million. Um, so they're far ahead of everybody else, but they always were. So I guess to sum up, there are pockets of recovery. We are getting there. I mean, end of 2022, we were about 40%. 2019 level. So we've seen this huge growth, but there's still a lot more to be done, I think. And I'm still not convinced we'll reach back that 2019 levels by the end of this year. So Hannah, we looked at the visitor arrivals. What about the tourism receipts? Are they on par with 2019, way below, just to get a gauge in terms of the contribution to the each country's respective economies? Hmm. Well, I mean, again, they are not not back there, but some of them are doing. When when you're looking at uh, spend kind of per per head per capita, there's actually some countries have improved that. Um, so, for example, Singapore is saying that their spend that they had in the country is actually pretty good, and this year they're expecting it to be only um, about 0.2 billion Sing dollars off their 2019 target. Um, so in general, we are seeing that kind of higher spend per tourist. But as we're coming out of the pandemic, it's very hard to know whether these kind of patterns are here for the long term or are they, again, that kind of pent up travel demand that was still coming out in the market last year? Um, are we going to see that 
being impacted by a more uncertain economy, global conflicts this year. It's hard to say. Hannah, if we look at our southern neighbour, Singapore is expecting to sustain its tourism momentum. Uh, uh, I was just wondering, what is is driving this? I mean, we know that they are hosting... uh, numerous nights of, of Taylor Swift and Coldplay and Hamilton. Does this drive the uh, tourism uh, appeal that much? <laughs> yeah, I mean, even I bought tickets to, to Hamilton in May. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think, of course, to a certain extent, yes, there is that hype. But then, of course, you know, these are kind of one-off events. You're not having Taylor Swift play 365 nights in Singapore. So you've got to do something on the the other times that she's not there. Um, And I think what we've seen Singapore doing is really investing that energy into updating their offerings. So they announced last week Marina Bay Sands is going to have a fourth tower. Uh, Resorts World Sentosa has also announced that they're really going to be upgrading um, those attractions. Um, Singapore also reported that spend on food, F&B, is massively up. So from January to September 2019, the spend was almost $2 billion. Um, sing dollars. Last year, the same period was almost $3 billion. Um, mm. So that's that's really increased. I mean, you've got to factor in inflation in as well. Of course, that's, that's hit everybody. Singapore is not immune from that. But I think what Singapore has really been trying to do is to aim at those higher end markets. And it's been advertising itself as a premium destination. Um, and therefore, you are going to see that that spending coming in um, when you're positioning yourself like that. Yeah, I was just wondering as well, uh, we've got the KL Singapore High Speed Rail, the Johor Singapore Special Economic Zone. How do you reckon this would boost tourism on both sides of the causeway? I mean, I, I think that um, Malaysia is probably more set to be the Beneficiary. Benefactor. Yeah, beneficiary for that one, exactly. Um, just, you know, we, we saw last week, didn't we, that the, the ringgit hit the lowest versus the Sing dollar um, 3.5 something last week. I can't see many Malaysians really then jumping to, to go into Singapore as perhaps they might go as day trippers. You know, with the high speed rail, that would be very feasible to go in and out in the same day. You don't have to spend on that expensive accommodation but i can see that getting a lot more singaporeans and potentially even the spillover um, of tourists for the high-speed rail from singapore then coming to malaysia might be a more um, attractive easier concept than okay taking the bus or going all the way to changi and and taking that flight so we Mm. may see some kind of spillover from tourists visiting singapore and then adding on malaysia to the end of that Okay, Hannah, can we talk about the visa-free travel we are giving to the Chinese? Uh, Thailand started it, we have done it, and I think Singapore's planning to do that, or already done so, excuse me. So, is this the beginning of the long-awaited return of uh, this tourism giant? Um, I mean, I think the region definitely hopes so. In reality, it's definitely going to have a big impact but it's going to be a slow one. It's not, you know, it's like when the borders opened and, you know, you expect there's going to be this sudden influx of tourists and then there wasn't. It's that slow burn. And one of the reasons for that is really down to the air capacity. So how many seats there are available on planes between China and the rest of the region. Now, Singapore is currently at 100%. So they have recovered to 2019 levels, but they only did that as the beginning of this month. If you look at Thailand, there's still only 55% of those 2019 levels. Malaysia's slightly better, 57%. So, you know, to be able to get those Chinese tourists to come in, you need the planes, the flight tickets for them to be able to come in on. And that's the part which is going to be a little bit slower as airlines, you know, looking to see if there's confidence in consumers, is there demand, and then 
um, putting those flights back in the market. Um, and another um, really great analyst, Gary Bowman, I think he's, he's also a bit of a regular on the show, said that, you know, there's, there's a really intense competition for Chinese tourists this year. Um, but actually, one of the bigger competitors is not necessarily Singapore or Thailand for Malaysia in terms of getting those Chinese tourists, is actually Chinese travelers traveling domestically. Mm. Um, China has got a lot better at marketing itself to domestic tourists. Yeah. And so that's now a, a very attractive option for a lot of Chinese travelers. So Malaysia and the rest of the region really need to up their game in terms of that international marketing to Chinese travelers and understand what's making them tick. Tourism Malaysia is targeting over 5 million tourists from China this year. Uh, do you think this is workable? Are we on track to achieve it? Well, I'd say it's going to be tough. Um, so if we look at the numbers, last year, um, it was reported that Malaysia had about 1.4 million Chinese travellers. You know, OK, they just opened. But if we look back at 2019, um, we only had 3.1 million. Um, so if we're looking in that kind of context, 5 million seems very, very ambitious, um, particularly given that competitive climate that we were just talking about. Okay, thank you very much for your time. That was Hannah Pearson, founder of Pear Anderson, saying that there is some recovery in the tourism sector, but not maybe to the levels that we saw in 2019. Uh, Singapore definitely carving itself out as a, a destination, not the regular type for those with maybe a lot of change premium, in their yeah, pocket. A premium destination, no doubt. That's what that's what that's what uh, Hannah was saying. But I, I was I was quite interested in uh, the fact that you know with the HSR coming, it gives us an option to do day trips into Singapore. That's uh, yeah, it, then, and you don't have to spend so much on accommodation, which is really quite punishing over there. But everything else does still cost a lot of money when you when you have to times three point five. <laughs> unfortunately, uh, we're heading into the eight a.m. news bulletin. But first, a quick message. Have you ever wondered if you have what it takes for a career in tech, especially with the rise of the e-commerce industry, mobile apps, AI and more. There is definitely a demand for such talent in this field. 42 Malaysia is a nation-building JV between Sunway Education Group and Kazana National, aiming to give access to tech education and bridge the digital skills gap. Find out more when 42 Malaysia's Chief Operating Officer Jeff Sandu speaks about this program tomorrow at 10.45am only on BFM 89.9. Up next, of course, the 8am News Bulletin and that's going to be followed by the Breakfast Grill where we review the Pardon Board's decision. Do stay tuned for that BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.